You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Before we start, we just wanted to announce a show that's coming up in the New York area. Um, on July 30th, 2022, St. Vitus is putting together um, a Rich McLaughlin benefit show, memorial benefit show. Um, if you know Rich McLaughlin, played in Breakdown and Killing Time, an unbelievably kind human being, a wonderful dude that we all miss terribly. Um, some of his friends are coming back, playing some, a show in his memory. Um, it's Standstill, The Fight, Maximum Penalty, Uppercut, Breakdown, Alone in a Crowd, and Killing Time. It's at the Brooklyn Monarch on July 30th, 2022. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Go pick those up. Um, and all proceeds um, will go to benefit makemusicmatter.org and jailguitardoors.org. So, again, July 30th, 2022, the Brooklyn Monarch, Standstill, the fight, maximum penalty, uppercut, breakdown, alone in the crowd, killing time. A wonderful show for a wonderful dude. We got a number one victory royale. Yeah, Fortnite, we bout to get down. get down. Ten kills on the board right now. Just wiped out Tomato Town. My friend just gone down. I revived him, now we're heading southbound. Now we're in the Pleasant Park streets. Look at the map, go to the mark sheet. Take me to your Xbox to play Fortnite today. You'd be taking Lucy Meyer, but not Loot Lake. I really love to chug chug with you. We can be pro Fortnite gamers. Welcome to Axe to Grind. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. And this is a hardcore podcast because Pat forgot that part. Oh, oh shit. shit. I was, you, know, you know what that was? I was trying, I was getting ahead of myself. I don't know if you've ever done this on stage, Tom, with lyrics. I was getting ahead of myself because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to mention that this is through the through the miracle of technology because it just struck me as I'm looking at your fellas' faces. This is pretty fucking crazy. If there's even just a half second of lag, this, it's it's technology is remarkable. I'm in Australia right now. I'm 9,000 miles away from both of you. Right, and it's as clear as day as if you're next to me in, in your cell. <laughs> like that. Like that. Patrick's um, reporting to you from what looks like a bunker that was like left over from Y2K. <laughs> or an Australian prison. We can't really tell the difference. There's a cot involved, there's some bricks. So he does have a my... mug and looks rather like pleased with himself. Yeah. So it's got it's got vegan Milo in it, which is their kind of uh hot cocoa. You know, and uh, they've got some weird. What do you think they call ketchup here? Catsup, tomato, no. <laughs> uh, tomato mush, tomato sauce, sauce. Yes. How frustrating is that? So, like, <laughs> when you go to an Italian restaurant, is that marinara only? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there, there's a lot of very frustrating tiny things that, like, sometimes they're cute, sometimes they're a little. They're a little irritating, <laughs> but uh, and mostly, but I mean, you're a guest there, so I guess you really need to follow their custom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's all tomato sauce to me. I'm not I'm not about to get in a fight over. Uh, so there's there's an Instagram account of um, some woman who has went to went to uni in England, but she's originally from California, but she has kind of like a vague English accent now, but she makes all these instagram reels 
doing this back and forth. And I think about it, I'm like, one, it's sort of funny. And then two, I'm like, I would be eternally annoyed with that. Like, what if, Tom, what if Patrick started making, like, American and Aussie videos where he has an Australian accent and half of the videos are him railing against, like, how annoying and lame Americans are? But also, like, out there. sort of taking a piss at Australia at the same time. Go ahead. We, we know somebody who does that. Really? There's definitely some hardcore kids that found out about soccer. Oh, yeah. Sure. And oh. say mobile oh. and meet me at my flat and my mate. <laughs> it's enraging. It's enraging, enraging. Um, but yeah, if Pat was like, over here, this is called the jumper. And I'd be like, would you just fucking get eaten by a shark already? And just Would you just uh, unalive yourself in the fucking Indian Ocean or the fuck we're talking about? I went to the dog beach the other day and the fella throwing the ball to his dog says, oh, yeah, I used to throw. I used to throw long for her, but uh, then lady got bit in half over there. So uh, and, and I, I, my girl and I said, no lady got bit in half over there. And we look at it on our phones when we get to the car. Lady got bit in half over there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, there's sharks everywhere around here. It's real fucking crazy. That's why Pat will go in the water. Listen, these people don't care. They're like, oh, only like two or three people get eaten a year. I'm like, correct. What? Like, yeah, okay, like compare that. that to car. Compare it to car crashes. Sure, you're doing pretty all right. But I don't want to get eaten. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not to me. Surfing looks cool. It doesn't look. I want to get eaten. Cool. I mean, Parkway Drive. Like, that's their whole thing. Is that they're surfers and there's like five of them and they haven't even got nibbled. We don't know that. They might. We don't know that them. though. That's true. You know what I mean? I don't keep up. Australia is just filled with things that want to kill you. It's amazing. That's what they say, but I haven't like seen scorpions a and crocodiles. I haven't. Okay, so alligators here, but I no no uh, crocodiles. Crocodiles, you're right. right? You're right. So I haven't seen a a single spider since I've been here. Knock on wood. But that's what everybody like warned me about. Was they're all in your uh, shoes? Oh, look out! Look out for the spiders. Yeah, <laughs> you should check my shoes. And scorpions. Um, There's got to be scorpions. Are there scorpions? Uh, I don't know. Listen, I saw, some I saw some kangaroos the other day. I was pretty excited. Let's wait. Where were they? Were they in the wild? Like on the street? Uh, yeah. Like so th there's a, have you guys heard that? Uh, this might be a beach one that I just don't know. I'd never heard the word esplanade before in my fucking oh, yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They love an esplanade. Esplanade here. of marble kind of thing. Yeah. So I was on those vibrate. I, I, I jog on the esplanade every day. And nice. uh, is it like the promenade? A, no, not yes. the promenade. Esplanade. Probably similar. Tom, I don't yes. know what the fucking esplanade is. I, but I was jogging on one and uh, the kangaroos uh, were just watching me. Here's better than kangaroos. There are uh, uh, gula, gulas, gula, gula, galas everywhere, which are. What's that? It's like a, a colorful, uh, lovely little parrot bird that is You're not afraid of me at all. I love these birds, man. He's a bird man. <laughs> you know what? Though, after seeing an actual kangaroo's pouch, I'm out. Yeah, they're gross. Gross? Is it like gross inside? Oh, it's like inside. Like you see like their ribs and shit. It's gross. Oh, weird. No, I watched I like, it. It was on video of like a baby like crawling into like the pouch. Like and you like open it up and it's like. Oh, like that's like your insides. Like it's not even like oh, there's like a. It's not like there's not another 
like pocket inside that's like keeping you like out like you're in like your your mom's like in the mix yeah if if you fellas want to trip out there is uh videos with millions of views a series of five of bird of crows picking ticks off of kangaroos millions of views (laughs) and the biggest war raging in those comments section is that's a raven no, it's not. It's a crow, you fucking moron. No, the, I know my birds. That's a. It's a battle in there. So it's much a so that vulture. I like. But by the fourth episode, the guy who puts up the videos is saying, "Hey, everybody, I didn't like." There's he just leaves a comment that's like, "I didn't put this up so you could fight about birds. I, it just lets everybody enjoy the ticks, you know." <laughs> like yeah, like like nature working together to serve each other. Like yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, a message from Axe to Grind. We didn't put this yeah. pod, podcast up for you to fight about the birds. No, yeah, let, let's let, just let's, help let's, said, let's give a quick shout, shout out, out to our sponsors. Thank you to Run for Cover Records. Buck Buck. Thank you to Death Wish Inc. Blood Owl. Thank you to Closed Casket Activities. Crash. And thank you to, to Live a Lie. Doosh. Are these all your comic book sounds? Are you like getting the yeah, Batman? So, You're so writing like a uh, Batman. Frank, <laughs> Bob will tell you some people like classic noises. I add a K to most of my uh, sound effects because I feel like it sounds uh, more. What, what's what's the word? Uh, uh, automatic Maybe what, is that oh. the word? Um, oh yeah, yeah. To, to to look the way it sounds. Yeah, it's exactly right. So like. That should like be something crack. different, right? Because it's like uh, uh, onomatopoeia. We talk about it's like the word sounds the way describe what it's describing is the way it sounds. Buzz, right? Um, but there's a, there should be a comic book version of that where the word looks the way it sounds, right? That's uh, something uh, like a like a visual diegetic. Di- uh, so, so uh, Bob, you'll know what I mean. Crash. If I'm going to punch uh, uh, some glass, I would I would make that sound effect crash with a K at the end because I feel like that's more representative of your actual ear, that like the sound yes. of your ear. Um, <clears throat> all right, thanks everybody. That was a little uh, that was a little uh, sound effect. Comic book corner, but yo, that's what we're doing for the uh, for the ads today. We love everyone. Um, they all have stuff going on. We're we're currently recording remote. Let me give my my quick story of how much of a cluster this is because i had a wedding to attend in providence rhode island today mm. shout out to my cousin joan uh joan. getting married today that's cool um good old ball and chain yeah and uh i met up with my mother-in-law kind of, you know whatever that is uh yesterday who was asking like hey how's things going oh how's your podcast whatever whatever and as she said that, in my head rattled, oh, damn, I forgot my microphone. All right, maybe I can get a microphone. Then I was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't matter because I don't have my laptop. So mm-hmm. through the miracles of technology um, and the uh, Guitar Center on Wolf Road in Albany, New York, I oh, have wow. a, a microphone that plugs into my phone that I hope sounds pretty good. Now, now I am also nasally as hell, so... Uh, so maybe you guys are gonna have to carry us through this one as as you often do. Um, but shout out you to our sponsors. 
go support them, check out their web stores, follow them on social media. Let's also, uh, yo, get on and follow their band camps. I think mm. every one of those labels has a band camp. Follow that. Sometimes you can, if you're the vinyl type, sometimes you can sneak in and get rare versions on there. And that's like a little, a nice little workaround. So shout out. Thank you. Guys, how you doing? How we feeling? Uh, I feel pretty great. Um, I've it, it kind of getting into a schedule, uh, ready to, ready to take on the world, ready to build myself back up physically from this. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat of a disastrous uh, wreck. Uh, don't look good in my view. I uh, would like to be in peak physical form because I have uh, a number of shows coming up. Uh, may have uh, tentatively confirmed some shows for February that everybody in our listenership will be excited for, even if they don't care for drug church. Uh, so, uh, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get in fighting shape, as they say. When's your next show mm. back? Are you going to create an Australian version of both <laughs> bands? I really Keep should. yourself in like, you know, I could use shape. the money from a residency for sure. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I will not, but <clears throat> Uh, both bands have some really exciting stuff going on. Uh, I don't normally do this, but shout out to anybody who's been supportive uh, of uh, my bands uh, for any length of time. Uh, it, it's it's really like a blessing to be able to do cool shit, and I sometimes take it for granted that I require other human beings to enable that. So shout out shout out to anybody listening. Yo, what if what if though you could just. The other members of Drug Church, self-defense, they get approval power on the person that you're replacing them with for the Aussie version. Like, they have to sort of vaguely look like them, and the real member gets to say, yeah, that's okay. That They could play me in a biopic. Would that work? I mean, it works for me. I I think it would be funny if they chose people that look nothing like them. Uh, you know, the, <clears throat> I... Yeah, today I got made fun. You know, I'm sure in your lives somebody has yelled something rude to you from a car window. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Tom. Yes. Um, Probably the I opposite of what they called you, but sure. <laughs> so today I was I was uh, I was jogging, and I look like a fool when I jog. It's very slow. I look stupid, but I was at a red light, and I was jogging in place with my arms included. Right. So I'm just, yeah, well, I fuck like, you then. I look like a fucking fool. Yeah, precisely. And <laughs> some, what they call bogans here, essentially, you know, kind of white trash or whatever we, whatever the uh, American analog would be, uh, get beeped and, and hung out the window to do an impression of me jogging in place. And, uh, I, their facial hair was so bad that I, I think that they should replace my band members. I thought that they were very funny looking and I didn't, so I didn't know, this is how self-obsessed and fucking narcissistic I am. I just thought they recognized me. So I gave like a, you know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> like that's little, actually hey. the scans. Meanwhile, he's, they're like, <laughs> you look like a bloody asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, thanks for your listenership. And they're, they're like, you fucking clown. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> God. Uh, but I would hire them. The audacity to be like on the street in Perth. And think like some randos, like, oh, shit, that's Patrick Kinlan. Not <laughs> Albany, not New York City, not L.A. Perth, Australia. 
So here's the, I think I get this in my head because in LA, a city of millions, I, yeah. I would often get, Hey, saw you, saw, saw you walking down sunset today. And I'd be sure. like, right. Sure. Sure. My bands are so fucking small. The idea that somebody would like just randomly drive by me is, is nuts, but it has think about it. All things combined, you have like thousands of people that know of your work in that general area, whether it be bands, podcasts, comic books. Yeah. And, okay. and you're not shy about doing interviews. I watched one with you and, and uh, Colin, which was probably quite good. Thank you. You had the full, the full uh, New Balance drip for the uh, <laughs> on, on Not Fest. It was actually pretty funny. Uh, uh, shout out to Colin. Uh, I, he is, my girlfriend watched it and said, he is uh he's really trained huh you know and i said he is like i don't know if he is he's just that charming i think he's been working on it on a personal level for a long time so good on. okay that makes sense that's what i think too i think that colin has uh he's he's in my view he's very well suited for this and should pursue this as like you know i'm sure he's pursuing it as a career but i don't know if he's looking at it as supplemental right now or wants to go hard with it so funny very quick He's very quick. I think I think that he's uh, good at that sort of shit. And <clears throat> sorry for everybody that uh, would would like us to talk about uh, uniform choice, but uh, I'm, <laughs> watch I'm the Not Fest web- website where Pat tells Colin, "Hey, you're not singing out of key. You just suck." <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say it pretty much that. what he said. And he's like, "No, you're in <laughs> like, key." He's like, "Just what you're singing sucks." I just said some people hate it above a lot, uh, <laughs> but. I mean, Colin's agreement. Uh, so, what do we want to talk about today, fellas? We're, we're, we're kind of loose. I'm, I'm feeling. It's loose. It's a rambler. Let's, uh, let's. What do you guys got? Give, hit, hit it. Hit the group. Hit the group chat with what's what's buzzing. Treat it like this. Treat it like the group chat today. Okay. Oh, so then Pat's gonna ignore it. <laughs> oh, you know what? We appreciate. I think he's he's kind of in a rhythm. He wakes up. He might respond to something from six hours ago or just now. Right. We go her, like just something out of nowhere. But like he's he's trying to stay involved in the group chat, you know? It's true. Kinda. I'm really late to our other group chat where uh, our uh, the fourth member of that group chat responds with total confusion as though he didn't say something. six. He has no object permanence. So like he'll say something six hours later and I will respond when I wake or six hours earlier. And when I wake up and respond, he will act like I am speaking gibberish. And <laughs> well, <laughs> like, you know, like, that guy, you know how many group chats he probably has going on at any one time. It's probably okay. That's a fact. And, and how much has transpired in his life since he sent that message? Dude, I business. saw him like two Saturdays ago. Mm-hmm. I needed a nap. He's got a lot going on. Like we had pizza and you would think like uh, he had like a million things going on at once. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Good for him. Uh, um, I have some things we okay, can talk so about. T- Pat has one. I've got I- one. I have one that we may this may it may not be appropriate, and it's, but we can bring it up here and then shred it. Is, if it, we is don't. it like PG thirteen? Is it NC seventeen? Where are we at? I think it's, it's a, a, it's a hot take. It's something. R. As an older um, member of the scene, um, can we can we not make Limp Biscuit a thing? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and this is no yeah, sight so to any we of the bands need to because. Talk about this, right? But yeah, I mean, straight out, and this is no slide on any of the bands. If Limp Bizkit was like, yo, Tom, we're playing Barclays Center. 
you guys want to open? I would open. No, oh, yeah, you would open. To play like to be able to be like, hey mom, we're playing the Barclays Center. Hey mom, we're playing yeah, MSG. Really cool. You know what I mean? Or like, hey mom, we're playing the forum. Yeah. I do yeah. not begrudge any of the bands that accepted that. Manball's no. done it. I, we've everyone has done it. But we have to see it for what it really is. Like that band is the least punk band ever known to music. I don't I listen. I don't have a good thing to say about Limp Biscuit necessarily. I, but you, I be, you know how I am. If somebody is um, targeted for any reason, I, I just become their ally instinctually. You become their right? champion. Like, yeah, I can't stand to see like a gang up. Are you caping and up for Fred Durst? I am. I just feel <laughs> like there's been too much hate sent in this man's direction. Deservedly. So, Listen, sucking he, is not he, a federal offense. You know what? The, you know what is a federal offense? Dyeing your hair one color and your sunburns a different color. Uh, <sighs> Red Yankee hats, federal offense. Of all hats, that he might be. He might be the. He might just, be responsible for Red Yankee hats as a thing. Like I feel like Yankee hats, they're so like proper about their home and away uniforms. There's one hat. Mm-hmm. There's no different color hats. That he brought the red hats in. He brought. Um, I mean, do we have to bring up Lollapalo- uh, uh, uh Woodstock '99? He he wasn't burning anything down. Listen, what are we going? Well, we cannot allow this. Scott we now? cannot allow this to. So become a he, thing. Here's the thing. He hasn't no, like listen. he hasn't made good, and like hardcore can't accept him. So Tom, wait. Are you saying that Limp Bizkit was not influential on hardcore? No, not at all. I'm so this now. is an interesting conversation. I mean, they are me now probably. I'm, I'm the exact same spot as you, Tom. I'm like perplexed, uh, disillusioned a bit, and not not particularly interested in in having Limp Bizkit even parallel. It's like, well, you know, you know, the '90s there was there was a lot of the hardcore stuff, but there was the you know there was like the jade tree scene and like the post punk and like your post hardcore stuff, quicksand far um, and all the stuff that was like, me. Yeah, then there was shit, stuff like, was you know, like, then yeah. there was the new metal, like Limp Bizkit, you know, obviously got to mention them. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. that's not, that's not no. what it is. No, I'll, well, I'll um, take the Deftones cause they, they were trying to be a bad brains tribute act. Well, here's the only thing that's interesting to me is that in conversation with uh, a good friend who's in a thriving metal, metallic, hardcore, hardcore band. In discussion about the Limp Bizkit tour, he said he's probably late 20s. He was like, oh, my God, that's like my dream. I would love to have toured with Limp Bizkit. And I'm like, wait, what? And he says, before I got into hardcore, like right before I was in the Limp Bizkit. That's how I got into harder music. So, yeah, I would love to go on tour with them. And I was like, huh. I get it. I couldn't invalidate that. No. Now, fellow wasn't trying to say that Limp Bizkit was, you know, important to hardcore, but he was saying it was important to him. And then I was thinking, wait, what if you multiply that by most people in that age category? 
I think you have to. I think like them and corn were so inf- influential to like a certain age range. To us, it's kind of to, so it's the same. Like, well, I can't even say. It. I'm trying to think of like the equivalent, like maybe like Biohazard. But Biohazard was like the exploited compared to fucking Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yes, yes, correct. But so I mean, like I, I get it. But I, you know, like you, not you don't have to have nostalgia for everything that got you to the place that you are. No, I mean, I think there was a lot of people. Okay, so example, I was in the grunge before I was in the hardcore. I don't cite grunge as being like, well, you know, this is important to the experience of hardcore. No, it's like literally, it's just a different thing. And I, my recurring thought is that we are, we are trying to make likes be all the same thing. And that's just not what it is. Like you can like heavy metal and that could be what you were into before you got into hardcore and that you don't have to say, well, it was like, you know, it was like, it was like right next to hardcore. It's like, well, whether it was or it wasn't, it wasn't the same thing. And it's okay. That you like both, you know, like there doesn't always have to be the same thing. And I think more and more people are trying to equate it and be like, no, no, it all makes sense. Right. And it's like, well, you know, it can make sense to your personal musical journey, but not be hardcore. You know, does that, does that track? Yeah. Like it doesn't, you can't squeeze them into like the history of hardcore because they brought a couple hardcore bands on, on, on the road with them. And I mean, they did that in Europe. I mean, I, I remember watching a video of Madball opening for Olympus getting corn in like some fucking giant arena. Maybe it was Wembley. I don't know. It was one of those places in the UK. Right. That's fucking awesome. You know what I mean? But I think, you know, like to this, at the same at the same point, Madball's probably like, that was cool. On to the next. Like it, I, I just think, you know, and 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 this is no shade on the bands. Like we back Scowl, we back Dying Wish, like hundred percent. Like yeah. good for them. And like I think most of you know, given if if my favorite grunge band from nineteen ninety two was like, you doing tomorrow. Jerry Cantrell wants it open for them. I'd be like, I guess I'm fucking open for Jerry Cantrell. Yeah. Hold on. Here's a big can of worms. Tom. Yes. How supportive. Let's say most precious blood. Actually, you know what? Indecision or most precious blood. You can give me both as an answer. The eras that they played in would were bands supportive of each other or were they competitive with each other and secretly wished each other to fail? Um, I think MPB was even more like competitive. Mm-hmm. I feel like indecision was like nine bands. Yeah. And it was like the victory bands and then like the second tier, which is like the the one king downs and stuff. And then there was like the rest of us. Yep. There was no competition because there was no one to compete for. So but I feel like MPB was kind of like, well, how did how did they get like the fucking inflamed store? Right. How did okay, they get so that's this? What, that, so that's that's what I want to talk about. I was just on tour with two young bands. Uh, that's uh, <clears throat> one step closer, uh, and, and Soul Blind, uh, both of both of whom, at least by comparison to me, are young people, right? And I asked them because I wanted to take the temperature on Scowl and Dying Wish taking these Limp Biscuit shows. And by the way, as Tom said, virtually everyone would take the shows because they're fun. And you're playing in front of thousands of kids that have never seen you before. I don't even think that shit matters at all. 
I'm just saying that they're, I'm just saying they're fun and people like to have fun, but taking the temperature of that, that green room, I was looking for some secret hate. You understand? I I could detect no secret hate. (laughs) Everybody very happy for skill. And I was so interested in that because I think generationally, I'm, I mean, I, I speaking from experience, I, I know that there's a lot of uh, Schadenfreude out here for when like bands of my generation fucking eat a dick. You know what I mean? When somebody that, but I, and granted we all got a lot of history together. So sometimes you want to see some fucker fail because you don't necessarily like him. We might not even know each other. All those bands may not even have met, you know? That's true. But I was just so fascinated by how like right now, younger people are backing younger people for the opportunity. Like, like, Hey, that's an opportunity. That's cool. Hey, that whatever. Could you imagine this in like 2002 to 2005? Like, no, Tom, your fucking sidekick would be blown up. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like how the fuck did blah, 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 get on blah, blah, blah. And that's not just for our listeners. That's not just the trust kill era that, that Tom's referring to. I assure you bridge nine era was some real backbitey shit. Some no, <laughs> real- it was a mean time, man. <laughs> Dead serious. Even when we were like, yeah, we're not obviously in the same fucking category. We're not like trying to get the same tour that like 18 Visions is on, but everything was still kind of like real fucking shitty to each other. Yeah. I I think the the this might be a little bit of a recurring theme with a few of our items today, but not all. But I think there's a generational difference, and I don't know where that is. But I think I see it, one, in maturity of people who've been in a hardcore. And I think, I think, there's there's a little bit of closed-door player hatery, as, as was discussed on a recent Patreon episode but it's more in a jousting kind of way. And I think generationally both the young people and where we're at collectively, there's not, I don't want to say it's the Lincoln build moment, but there's a lot of people who are going, Oh, just because you win doesn't mean I lose. And that's right. largely good energy, right? Yeah, like we, for everybody. Right. And so, so this is more like, conversationally we're having that and it's the same thing like set the stage we're talking to Limp Bizkit and saying hey this is weird it doesn't totally jive with our experience and it's more just you know to have the conversation that's not to take anything away from these bands who did it I hope that every person who saw Scowl or who saw Dying Wish or you know any of these bands? I, I don't know Wargasm, but you know saw these bands and enjoyed it and got into it. You know, and like they left with it. What we're also saying is we don't need to recontextualize what Limp Bizkit was, which is one of the most popular new metal bands of their time. That was radio friendly. That was. Beyond popular, they had a mainstream cultural moment. And more than one, you know, like they they had the Woodstock 99 thing. 
They were a band who played on TRL, which means nothing to anyone under the age of 30, but TRL was the MTV like afternoon hit show with and the apparently videos, you know? break stuff is the like encore that emo night plays every time they sell out a venue. Fuck stop. That but that's kind of built that's kind of made brought back this love for Limp Biscuit is like right, you know, they'll go like Taking Back Sunday, My Chemical Romance, fucking, you know, whatever, fucking panic at the disco, and they're like, give me something to break. And then like every, you know, all two thousand fucking Gen Xers or whatever the fuck age go fucking crazy because they all know the words. They're old. They're geriatric millennials, is what they are. But but right, the, they let uh, their hair down and like Friday sucked because work was tough. So now we're giving me something to break. I I think I've said this on this podcast. I was fucking mind blown at like a larger but still subculture metal sort of show uh, that the house music before the band played uh, included a system of down song. And everybody in the fucking crowd sang along for the toxicity of my city. I was. Serge, Serge, here. Granted, granted, obviously, in the room with us. I don't know if I'd sing it except to you guys, you know, (laughs) and to the thousands and thousands of people who just heard you do it. But yeah, yeah, and uh, but so there's some enduring. I mean, obviously, there's an enduring legacy to these acts that. Like maybe people of a certain generation don't take seriously, but I mean, look, we've talked about it. Tom, you're a U2 fan. I cannot imagine what sounds cornier to a fucking 25 year old than U2. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, I say this as somebody that likes, I like everything through Octung. You know what I mean? Yes, like everything. Yes. And but you tell them like, you don't put on like where the streets have no name. And if you're like a guitar music fan in 2022, you go, it's pretty dope. I, I don't know. I think it sounds very Either without you. You're not catching feelings. Listen, I love oh, all the sweetest thing. Come on. And, and oh, well, I'm not going that far, but, but the, That's uh, a great song. but, but my point is, uh, there are like, even oh, if, no, those today's no, don't, do don't, don't do it. Don't do it. We're just going to do a karaoke episode <laughs> where we just sing songs. <laughs> well, now we have, now we know we're doing it in July. Mm, true, 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 true. I, you too. Even if we can all listen to Youth of Today and that has some type of cultural, like, uh, touchstone that, like, it doesn't matter if you're 21, doesn't matter if you're 55. Yeah, you, this is a hardcore thing. You get it, blah, blah. But through 21 to 55, there's going to be things where there is no crossover, even for the person even for people that have this one interest in which there's significant crossover uh, when you, once you get to limp biscuit once you get to u2 once you get to uh, uh what is it like 1000 gex <laughs> these are all ununderstandable is it 1000 or is it 100 gex i have no idea we are it's 100 like i was not going to correct i wanted to let that one breathe that's I the next wave you got you, nobody even knows about 1000 gex yet that's that new shit <laughs> that's the new gex yeah, that's on Listen. on Mist Cloud. Yeah, it's not even SoundCloud yet. It's not. We don't even know if it's music. It's just so cool. Don't I mean, also picking piggybacking off of this. Twice this week, Post Malone 
has worn hardcore-related clothing items. Listen. He wore a scowl shirt. That totally makes sense because you probably saw like scowl at a show, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. He was on... I don't know if anyone followed this like this guy like Meals by Couge. It's like this guy who like puts on a really, 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 really bad Italian Brooklyn accent. Oh, that guy, yeah. And he's like, I'm having a fucking egg and cheese, mink it, but it's fucking dripping like yeah. your sister. Like it's fucking yeah. disgusting. Like yeah, he's got like bad. no face. He's got like he's mostly upper mouth. His, his just, chin goes in, yeah. He's got no chin. Um, but he was on a show, like I mean he's very famous on the internet. Um, I he drives me nuts, like makes me like if he had a chin, I'd punch it. Like, um, <laughs> maybe that's but what he, he, he did. Like a show with with Post Malone, and Post Malone has a jacket on. It's a sick of it all. Mm. And like, you know, everyone's like, I can't believe it. He's a sick of it all fan. Like, you know, and then even the bands like blowing it up. And I was like, I don't think that's a sick of it all jacket because like you've never sold that before, right? Listen, you know, and it's like there- even so, it, even the fifty and older people love that clout. It's not only 22 year olds. We have listeners who dress rappers. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but we have, we have listeners who are there. They grew up in punk or hardcore music, but their career is in stylist. They're stylists and shit like that. Right. Do they ask if name me three songs before they give you like a shirt or are they to blame for the gatekeeping? That's not happening. And (laughs) well, no, I mean, think about this. this Kardashian wears a Metallica shirt. Think about Kevin Durant wearing Smiths and Morrissey shirts. Like, I mean, oh, he makes sense, though. He's pretty soft. Well, no, because somebody asked him. Somebody hit him in an interview. was like, oh, do you do you like that? He's like, what? Oh, no, it's just a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's cool. Hi, man. It's, it, well, it's, it, it is. And it's, it's just weird. Guy. It is like, you know, it's like a weird age old question. Like, wear the shirt, know the shirt. And it's like. No, a lot of people just like, you know, oh, that looks neat. And uh, does it undermine that, the what it is? No. But it's, I mean, it's I a weird thing. In hardcore, nice. in hardcore and subculture, think about this. When I was 16, if I saw someone wearing a hardcore band shirt, that was my like, oh, shit, I should go talk to this person. Right. That doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> no, know? no. Um, it is not necessarily because it's it's like things have just kind of evolved beyond that, but uh, it's not the signifier it once was. Like, and I think that when people have that weird pang of "ooh," it's not some like show it and know it snobbery or music dickhead thing. Like, name three songs, right? Sometimes it's old person who. Yo, if I saw a dude in 1987 wearing a Metallica shirt, that meant something. Now you buy a Metallica shirt at Walmart for $5, you know? <laughs> right. The connection, you know, like the it's small, different. like secret society doesn't exist anymore. That's right. That's right. Most it, young it, people look like punk and hardcore kids. That's right. I mean, you can tell yo, the difference I, from someone at a fucking soul blind show from someone just going to like, I don't know. What, Aesthetic what kids, is what well, kids right. buy Abercrombie? I have no idea. In the <laughs> late nineties, I often I often thought like it wasn't like I was wearing a band shirt every day, but I wore a hoodie every day. And I literally remember, shout out Justin Davis, a dude being like, Oh, you wear a hooded sweatshirt every day? That's weird, man. Like being like, Why do you wear a hooded sweatshirt? And I'm like, 
Yo, literally, that's the uniform for most adults in this country at this point. You know, like on, on a personal level, like how many people do you know that don't own a hooded sweatshirt of some form? Nobody yeah. I want to know. I like comfort. That's my own one right now. So am I. Right. Mine's over there. <laughs> um, so it's it's just like weird signifiers, these meanings, blah, blah, blah. Tracing it back. How different is it? Like, does it matter? Should we be celebrating Post Malone wearing a scowl shirt? No. I mean, it brings my eyeballs to the band. band. You'd be trying to hype on it? Yeah. Absolutely. Even if you don't like the guy's music, it's still like the dude played in front of probably 15,000 people that day and he fucking wore a shirt that was very clearly a scowl shirt. Like, and how many That's million, a, how many people went back and Googled hundreds it? of thousands more saw the picture? Yeah. And maybe you Google it, maybe check out a song and you go, oh, I really like this. Oh, you may hate it. Who knows? But like that just opens up the possibility of more people hearing your band and getting into punk and hardcore. But I don't think anyone's I, I don't think anyone other than probably Pat, honestly, is beyond like geeking out over a, a celebrity knowing your little thing. Yeah, I'm, I, I have to confess, I don't give a shit. However, I will say that I'm not like Post Malone, wear a drug church shirt. Um, it'll be good. I, so I, I know a fella who uh, he had been doing a streetwear brand before streetwear was uh, a thing. This is a guy from the 90s, right? Yeah. And yep. we're, ta- we're talking like Beastie Boys era or whatever. Like, and uh, Eminem, uh, Eminem wore his shirt not knowing what it was never heard of the brand somebody handed it to him whatever and yeah. his life changed because the orders for that particular shirt were yeah. so voluminous that that uh <laughs> that uh, he was able to change his situation at least for a time and so this is all to say this is my hand to god you're gonna call me a liar. I don't give yeah. a fuck. I don't know what Post Malone even fucking sounds like. However, yes, you do. I will mail you my shirt. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Wear my shirt. And also, while we're on the topic, let us revisit a thing that came up six months ago when the girl that does the TikToks was getting a little bit clowned. And we said, hey, why we got to clown the TikTok girl? Right. I'm going to say this again because she was getting clowned again. Was she? Yeah. Why we got to clown the TikTok girl? The TikTok girl, the TikTok girl helps me sell tickets to my shows. That's my friend. (laughs) I like that person. (laughs) And I never met her once. Yeah. Shout out to her. Here's my point. We, I'm as much a gatekeeper as you're going to find. I'm old. I'm crabby. I'm a dick. I, and I can still say, hey, Scowl was not wrong to take those shows. They, no. they shouldn't be decrying Post Malone for wearing their shirt. It's all just a lark if it does nothing. And if it does something for you, God bless. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't. Also, do you guys want to? Can I go further on this? You guys, I, I think I'm going to pull some commentary from you guys if I go in a direction. Go. So,
I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. I went out to eat the other day with a fellow that never got into the type of hardcore that 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 uh, maybe I like best, which is uh, kind of a uh, on the '90s chug sort of uh, sort of thing. He never it it totally missed him, right? Like he's revisited revisited it now, and he likes some of it or can at least appreciate it. Uh, mm. But to him, that just wasn't cool. That wasn't a thing. It wasn't part of his world. And it got me thinking about some of the bands that we consider uh, uncanny Valley hardcore yeah. and how a great many of them, and I can only name four, whatever, but like, like the ones that are kind of big and the people like, if they just stay the course, right or wrong, whatever our opinion is, it's not going to matter. They are going to be part of the conversation in the same way that earth crisis would have been kept out of the conversation at one point and is now fully part of the conversation. And my point to all of this is the people that don't care and do what they think is best for, for their lives typically come out on top. (laughs) Like typically things work for them. So like to, uh, again, I didn't hear any hate for scowl, but if there was, was I hope yeah, it was all positive, but but if there was any, I hope that they just dignify, don't dignify it, and just ignore it and keep it moving. Because when you do what you think is best, the people that are gatekeepers a lot of times aren't around in ten years to tell you that you're not part of the matter. conversation. Yeah, yeah you That's might right. dominate the conversation in ten years. So, <clears throat> one funny uh, thing. Can I bring up one funny yes. thing? Yes. Bob probably knows this. Pat may not know this. So, and we could delete this if it's problematic. It's not problematic, but it's funny. So, a um, couple weeks back, Straight Edge wrestler CM Punk mm-hmm. comes out. Um, so, his thing, like, he usually yells, it's clobbering time as he's walking out to the ring. Did not know that. He, he's a big comic book nerd. Mm-hmm. He's written comic books, I think. Yeah. So, so, that's, like, his thing. Like, he's come out in, like, H2O shirts, Chrome X shirts, whatever. He comes out in this sick of it all shirt with um ben Grimm, whoever the fuck is um thing, the on thing. It that just yep. says it's clobber time white shirt very crisp black everyone's like oh shit oh shit bob do you know the story i know yes i, I know CM most Punk of it, yeah. is wearing a fucking sick of it all shirt sick of yep. all's reposting it everyone's fucking over the moon that you know he's wearing a sick of it all shirt on 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 national tv it happened to be a sick of it all shirt that um, mutual fight arrogance, just fight arrogance, was trying to make with their approval. Yes, and they were like, "Nah, man." And yep. so CM Punk like hit slid in the DMs. It was like, "Yo, send me one." 
So he made one for CM Punk Award. To, so now they're like, they have all this like fucking energy, but like there's like four of those shirts in the wild and CM Punk <laughs> had his own one of them. They probably could have sold fucking thousands of them. Yep. But now they're like, yo, check this out. I'm like, dude, if you just would have let him do it, he could have made up another batch of hundreds and split the money with you. Yeah. Because it was yeah, all in the know, up that's and up. Like, he does like, uh, yeah. Go ahead, please. No, he does it like you know, like for bands that exist that are still around or whatever that he has a con- like. He does like legitimate like legal bootlegs almost. You know what I mean? Like he did them with like Marauder. He did them with other bands though. So it's not like he's totally like it's not like he's like stiff in the band. So he would have split it with Sigvall. But it was funny that people are like, I'm like, yeah, cool. That thing doesn't exist. I like I like again post blown. I've never seen that jacket in my life. Right. <laughs> Like it has nothing to do with sick of it all, although it just says sick of it all. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if it has anything to do with the band. But I think it's it's like an interesting conversation because the way bands do merch evolves. It's changed and it, it's different, you know. Like merch stores ten years ago were like the hot thing. Like you have this merch store through whatever company. And here's the static designs and, oh, here's a new drop and blah, blah, blah. And that still is around, but it's not like, it's hard to explain how big that was. Like for a minute, if you didn't have a merch store, people were like, what are you doing? Well, how do, how do people even get your stuff? You know? Um, but then that kind of became gauche. It became a thing that was like, what, why, why would you do that? I just want to get the shit that the band has on tour, you know? Yeah, there was like a weird disconnect. Sometimes there'd be designs on a merch store. It's like, well, the band never even the band's never even seen that design. They've seen it and gone, yeah, yeah, yeah you can throw that in the merch store, whatever. Who cares? Right. They never had it on the road with them. It's not right. attached to a tour. It's just this. It's not even it's just another maybe it's vaguely related to the album art. Who knows? Right. You know. Um, but now, as we move forward, I think there was a time where where then bands were just selling stuff like. You know, big cartel through their band camp, whatever. Right, limited that's run. Right, and and so everybody's aware of merch stores that are out there, but that feels like going to the mall. You know, um, I actually think the weird like authorized bootleg thing. Ah, bands want to cash in. That might be a way. People are really into it. It's been really popular for a few years now, and I think it's. I don't think that cup has runneth over. I'll say that. I think a lot of it's well done. Better than like the 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 stuff you're putting out there officially. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what uh, I mean? Like it, Well, this well, okay, it, so it, that's it, an interesting conversation. The, the stuff that a lot of bands put out uh officially is as Bob said, it's still got like a a, a merch store stink to it a lot of times where it's yep. uh clearly low effort uh maybe not very it doesn't feel very personal to the band at least maybe it's high effort it just doesn't feel connected uh and the uh the the boot the quote-unquote bootleg official bootleg whatever you want to call it a lot of yes. times that stuff is is very well curated it, it feels very connected shout out to conrad our man uh who still with it. a certain level of passion behind it yeah and i think that that's uh so exactly it's fan it's very fan you know what I mean? So, yep. uh, yeah, I, I agree with Bob. I think that particularly for the legacy acts, I mean, 
I think about Madball could do the, uh, they could probably do a Supreme collab at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yep. like Madball, take the money guys. You know what I'm saying? And, and and honestly, like, yo, Madball, you can work with people who you might not know this person, but they're coming at you with so much love and passion for your band. At least give it an open ear and look at the deal, you know? And Hey, maybe we'll you say, Hey, that's cool. Ones. I need, I need X amount up front, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's pay up or shut up, you know? So you today did what was that Supreme? Um, they've done a few. I think there was a Supreme. What they did, they did a was it Nike? There was some kind of weird, but I mean, they did the hundreds. Like, so there's like some stuff out there. It's like bad brain Supreme stuff was cool. And like, I'm sure they sold hundreds of or thousands of bad brain shirts to kids who didn't know who the fucking bad brains were when they bought the shirt. Yep. Maybe they do now. Um, so you know, it's a, you, you made the comment. I want to just put this out there. The merch store thing and saying like, you know, it had that weird feel. It, it, it felt arm's length from the band sometimes. Yo, I don't want to say this in a negative way. There were really talented people doing really good designs sure. for band merch without a band name on it. Yes. Plug that was just later. like, hey, would you like to buy this design? Yep. This can work for your band. And, you know, sometimes it would be that kind of perfect rhythm where it's like, you know, this really fits. And we, as a band, think this is a good shirt. So we're going to do this. And then there were times where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just throw whatever up. Like, you know, we need some new shirts and we don't care. And, like, I'm not even dissing that. There's... There are bands who treat their merch as if it's precious and has to be exactly what they want. And then there's bands who see it as a utility and just go, yeah, you know, it's got our name on it. We think it doesn't look like shit. Sure. Cool. You know, um, I, I appreciate and think and this isn't to like give a, th- give like license to, or, or like give our seal yo, bootlegs are cool. No, no, no. That's not whatever. Like to be real, if I pull it back, especially in hardcore, but in in underground or smaller effort items, I always want the creator to be compensated for their creation, you know, whether that's a musician or an artist or, or what have you. But when you see stuff that is coming from a genuine place of love and interest, you could feel that, I think, you know, I, I and, and when it doesn't feel that, that's where you start to go, oh, this feels low effort or this doesn't feel like something I need because it doesn't necessarily feel like something that the band felt like they needed to put in the world. They just, it was born out of like, oh yeah, we should probably have a new shirt just like, okay, you know? Yep. Yeah, I so I'm I'm like very indifferent to merch. I, I I don't care about it, but I'm in a band with people that really care about it, and that's fortunate. Uh, it, it, the drug church stuff is like very much a um, it, it, it's it's two members' vision. They they care, right? They like they they buy shirts. They spend a lot of money on shirts. So to them they would like our shirts to be something that somebody will one day spend a lot of money on. So 
I'm grateful that I don't got to worry about it. I don't even know what our merch looks like. Uh, I, I don't see it all tour unless I talk to somebody wearing it. Um, right. But, <laughs> but shout out to those of you that buy it. It's uh, immensely helpful. Um, I had something to say. I, uh, I, I won't keep you hostage with, with uh, me trying to regain my thought. Uh, Tom, do you, do you have any other items? Because I thought this were, that was a good item to kick. And then I did not realize we were going to have that much of a conversation about it. Um, yeah. And that being said, Dying Wish, Scowl, a few. Shout out. Um, Pat wants to talk about a certain band's crowd. Oh, yeah. Let's keep the. So, this is a pretty positive oh, yeah. episode. Let, positive energy, man. Positive, uh, positive, positive scene. Speaking of people winning. These turnstile shows, I, I guess I didn't have like a real grasp on how big they were going to be until I saw photos. Ridiculous. Yeah. Shout out to turnstile, man. All they do is win, 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 no matter what. All I know yeah, is that they were playing in Milwaukee and they were playing the big room and Cradle of Filth weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Cradle of Filth's a big band. Yeah. And I got to say, shout out to New York's own Akulu, who look mm. like they're coming off on this. Oh, really? Good. good. Like That's much great. like the energy is out of control. Like they seem like they're killing it. So uh, uh, I love to happy. hear that. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to say like uh, a dumb, dumb question, because if you, if you guys answer, if you, if you give an honest answer, I know what it'll be. So maybe this is just like a worthless fucking question. Did you ever imagine? No. Um, like time and space era, like that they'd be like drawing fucking thousands and thousands of people. Probably not. Probably not. Come on. No, I definitely didn't. <laughs> those crowds are those crowds are ridiculous. No, when this record came out and hit the way it hit and the energy around it, yeah, I mean, dude, okay. this has been sold out like this for like five months. Yeah, they, right. they announced these shows. Like I remember, they announced the Brooklyn shows in like 2021. That's right. You know what I mean? Like. They sold out the Knockdown Center. Have you been to the Knockdown Center? I have not. It's as bi- it's it, it's it, it's amazing because it's very European. It's like if you've ever played like a place in like Germany that it's like oh this is like an art center that has like everything like giant like old buildings that art people and punk people just took over. That's what this looks like. Sure. But the main wow. room is probably four thousand people. Oh, I had a guess, and it's like them and Beach Fossils, I think, playing. It's not the tour, that's right? But it's like right after, like, I mean, they sold out Brooklyn Steel, like, in a like, oh, did you get a chance? Oh, you, oh, okay, <laughs> like, like, Sasha at St. Vitus time frame, like, it wasn't yeah, even like, like yeah, a, under, yeah, a couple minutes, couple minutes, it's gone, yeah. yeah. And you sold 1900 tickets, and like, you know, not in a day, in like a couple minutes, yo, yeah, so fucking insane, it's kind of like. <sighs> We do a, an active effort not to talk about Turner style every episode, <laughs> yeah. but we don't do very well. No, no. no it, because they're such a they're they're an omnipresent thing right now in in this space. But but I want to I want to use this. Let's use this as our pillar. This is our our anchor with turnstile conversations because like not only do the shows look fun they seem like they sound great every show and people are really, really into it. What are we looking at on your camera? 
Uh, this is oh, that's my oh, hand. It's your hand. <laughs> like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing the weirdest angles because I have to keep the phone relatively close to my head to hear you guys, but also like I'm uncomfortable in my nose and stuff. I have um, a fun. I have a, after you talk, finish your sentence. I have a fun game that we're gonna ask Pat to play, oh. comparable to our Spotify game. Oh, I love it. I'm excited. So, so the, our tether here is is the turnstile wave the 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 uh of um a tide that rises all ships in hardcore and when will we see this are we seeing it actively now um is there somebody who's listening to axe to grind where turnstile was is like a turnstile in the modern like post time and space was like a this was an entry point for me to hardcore or are we going to start seeing that more in two or three years? You know what I mean? I think they're definitely an entry point. Because that's records how old? Four years? Yes. Yes. That's like an OG. That is like an OG. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, and then and then to say like, wow, yeah, there's going to be, are we going to see a wave of new attendees? And this, you know, this isn't new. We've, we've talked about this, but I want that to be a tether. As we as when we do bring up turnstile or talk about what they're doing, because that's the big question to me is like they they you know Tom you said they headlined the big room in Milwaukee over the rave yeah over Cradle of Felt or whatever yeah. right like <laughs> are they going to get to the point where they're playing Pfizer Center Pfizer Forum like like how big is big like. It depends on what their next steps are. One hundred percent, and we've talked about it. It's like, yo, we didn't, we couldn't have pictured this. We couldn't have. No, and, if they get out on a good fucking, you know, main support on a fucking arena tour with somebody. Well, and that's could they plus, feasibly they can be, do that. Yeah, it's it's really what happens after because because they wouldn't be the first band to do that. Shelter toured nope. with no doubt as direct support on a gigantic tour on the Tragic Kingdom tour. Shelter did not. <laughs> no. And that's the thing I think with the the my doubt with Turnstile is that they're so singular. Yeah. Just how no doubt was so singular that like mm, I don't know like you could have the five best hardcore bands in hardcore right now opening for them and like it's going to I mean they they do. <laughs> you know what I mean they have yeah. that lineup right now is sick. Yeah, that line is like, really good. But like, you know, like if I was like a kid coming to see Turnstile, would I even like understand what I was seeing with a fucking fast ceremony song or the cool song? I'd be like, I, I don't, if you don't have like the mind, like you know, like the hardcore ear, you may be missing out. Well, that's. I think the hope is the Turnstile kid in the big room we're playing to 2000 people plus kid is open to is open to hardcore. We're not saying they're hardcore. We're not saying they're a hardcore kid, but turnstile is a hardcore band. Um, right. Right. And, and is this the energy they exude? Is it enough that going to the show, you're going to be the type of person who's like, yeah, I do want to see what this Akulu band is about. And can, be open to the idea of letting it 
it sweep you in. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, mean, that's, I think that's, that kids that go to that show, like a show like that or any of those bigger shows, they're there for the fucking ride. They're not hardcore. Yes. Hardcore kids are dicks. Hardcore kids are going for what they want to see. You know, like very rarely do you go like, hey, I went to go see blah, blah, blah. And the fucking opener was killer. You never see that shit. Are you pointing at me because I'm making a good point? Yes. Okay. Keep going. But I think like in my experience, a pack could probably speak to this too. You know, when you're opening for a bigger band like Thrice or like when we did like stuff with like AFI or Rise or we did Rise Again, so like Andrew WK, like the people that are coming there are like down for guitars. And they're just so I love down for guitar. You know what I'm saying? So like you come across like your fucking world beaters and maybe 5% of those people ever fucking look you up, but it's still five fucking percent. And it's still at a volume of that. You're still seeing a lot of, you know, like if you get 5% of people at a fucking 2000 person show, you're getting a hundred more kids at your show in Milwaukee doing all right. So here's before, because I want Pat to get in here too, but I want to remind everyone and and this is the thing I had to just think about now thinking about, because what you said, like down for down for guitars open, they're here for the ride. There's a part of me that wants to say, look, hardcore, aggressive guitar music, angry music. Yo, this isn't like, like Mr. Sandman. You know what I mean? This is enter Sandman. You have to like, this isn't a nice little ditty. You have to active voice decide like, this is something I'm interested in. I don't know if you guys had this experience, but I had friends in high school, um, especially young high school who came to the random punk show or the random hardcore show. They weren't, it wasn't like, man, this is cool as shit. Like, yeah, they were like, eh, nah, I'm not into this. Like, they weren't open to the idea of it. And I think almost everyone when they first enter it have to be open to the idea of, it. you know? So, so that, and and you're right, because then once you actually are into hardcore for a while, once you're into the thing, there's sort of a part of you that stops being open to the idea of, of certain pieces of it, you know, and you go see the openers and leave before the old dusty headliners. You just have to see the dusty headliners and don't care about the opener. Like, Right. You're not going there for the night to have the experience. You're picking and choosing. Oh, you're yeah. you're leading into a future episode, Tom. That I'm calling "New World, Old World." We'll we'll talk about that. That's this is full tease. I'm not going to get into it right now. But yes, you're 100 onto something there. Um, Patrick, where are you at on the turnstile, rising tide? People who are just down for guitar. Are we going to see more of it? Uh, I mean, look, I, I on some level, I feel like. You know, so Drug Church went out uh, with Citizen, right? Uh, Citizen, bigger band than Drug Church. And uh, a lot of, you know, Drug Church kind of ascending a little bit at that time. And uh, you could say that we benefited those shows a lot. But I really feel like we walked away with a huge benefit to us, right? And certainly Citizen, no disrespect to them, they'd be the first to recognize this, is one eighth the size of turnstile. So let's just apply that to let's, let's assume all things are equal within that scene. Right. And just have to say, yeah, I I mean, I bet for the end. Okay. Well, actually you're asking two different, you're asking a different question. 
what I was going to say is the bands that are out with Turnstile right now are going to benefit a great deal from being out with Turnstile, but I guess that's obvious. What is less obvious is will bands like uh, uh, Military Gun uh, pop because in part because of Turnstile? Um, possibly. I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk out of turn, uh, uh, but I think that they just had a like a windfall. Uh, Ian, Ian can come on and explain the whole fucking thing, but they just had a nice opportunity to put in their, put in their face and playing a song on your set in LA. Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's, that's 90% their hard work, obviously, but there's details to that, that I'm sure were people in a room going, how much money? Well, I don't know. What if we had a turnstile? Do it. And then somebody signs off on an amount of money that they wouldn't have signed off on before. Right. And my thing is like, how do you find how where's that through line that gets a kid who's into turnstile and as Pat said, a thousand gecks? <laughs> how does that person find fiddlehead? How does that person find drug church? How does that person find I mean, other than like well, playlists, I guess. I, okay, well, so, and, and, well, let's not underrate those. You know what I mean? Those are pretty true. Big. You look at anyone's biggest song, that means they're on a playlist. Oh, yeah. It's true. It's crazy, the, the, the difference. All right, Pat, here's a question for you. Yes. We're going to uh, StubHub.com. Bob, you ready to play? Yes, I am. What is the, the so they call it the get-in price? Okay. What is the get-in price right now on StubHub for Turnstile's Knockdown Center show on Sunday, May 22nd? What's the lowest price you can pay to get in that door? Right Let now. me guess first. Let me guess first. Yes. Uh, $65. Pat. This is the lowest price for a Turnstile show? Like on StubHub, on the secondary market, because it's sold out already. Oh, secondary market. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say I'll go higher. I'll go 80 $95. Whoa. Um, same question. Monday, May 23rd, turnstile at Brooklyn Steel. A much it's probably a half size venue. What's the get in price? Turnstile, Brooklyn Steel. Okay, I'm gonna say 110. Pat. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go 111. 175 dollars. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> what oh ticket God. is higher right now? Turnstile at Brooklyn Steel. Or the first night of Lollapalooza with Metallica on StubHub. Turnstile, Brooklyn yep. Steel. Yep. God. Um, um, real quick. Yes. There's a Game 7 Milwaukee Bucks at Boston Celtics. Can you find that price on StubHub? Sure. It's at Boston, right? It's in Boston, yeah. Oh, because because this is where I'm thinking. This is a pretty big game, and Boston's. If it was Milwaukee, it might be different. I bet the get-in price is very comparable to that Brooklyn Steel price. Um, yeah. So the cheapest for for today, three thirty, Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. Boston Celtics, Game Seven, two hundred eighty-four dollars. Okay. So I mean, let, like an eight dollars difference. Even that close is crazy. Right. So like, um, because just for scale, people like. You can get into a Milwaukee Bucks Boston Celtics game regular season for probably like sixty bucks on a good night. You know, like that's a that, that's going to be bad seats, but you you can get in the building. So the fact that the Turnstile Brooklyn Steel show is one seventy five that blows my mind. 
What about um, May 26th and Thursday, May 26th turnstile at one of Pat's favorite places, the 930 Club, a uh, historic venue in in American punk, 930 Fuck. Club. I would say 250. I mean, that's that's going to be a very fun show. Uh, but I'm going to say, yeah, 200. Buck 20. Okay. 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 I feel like, quite honestly, other than Baltimore, Brooklyn is probably the spot, f- or maybe LA. Brooklyn and LA, no question. Oh, like the spots for turnstile, like they're every young market, person, you know. What's the cheapest Dude, ticket? What's the cheapest secondary ticket on here? What would be like your lowest price you can think of? Which is still pretty I'm fucking say, crazy. I'll say fifty bucks. Well, well wait, wait, wait. What's a, what's the standard? What what's a What's a ticket cost these days? I mean, that ticket's I probably get, that's probably a thirty dollars ticket. I get yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say there's a fifty dollars spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, May 18th in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Agora Theater, sixty six bucks. Wow, that's wow. the cheapest. Yeah. The Majestic Theater in in Detroit, ninety nine dollars. The Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto, one hundred fifty Canadian. The Palladium in Worcester, eighty five dollars. Fucking crazy! Like that's yeah. And so Thursday, Metallica, Little Baby, and Big Sean at Lollapalooza Festival. Thursday pass, one hundred and thirty-five dollars. They're literally their tickets for Brooklyn are higher than every single day at Lollapalooza. That's so insane. So it's like shout Sunday one twenty-five, Saturday one thirty-five, Friday one thirty-five, Thursday one thirty-five. They're out so selling this is going to be the interesting. This is the balancing act because Turnstile is entering a place that is not hardcore. Like, no, one hundred sixty-five dollars secondary market ticket. I mean, that's not, not their hardcore. fault. Yeah, it's not their fault, but they're just entering it because of the pro- the popularity barriers at all their shows. Kind of sucks. I'm sure there's an element where it's like, wow, this is a really different experience now. For better, for worse, whatever. But like there is a change, you know, where the 930 Club is is certainly a hardcore, you know, ish venue. Who knows if they're gonna they'll probably have a barrier, you know? Yeah, I'm sure it's um, a this is booked by one large promoting thing. So like literally the whole US tour. So it's like yeah, it's legal. I mean, that's what they gotta do. Like and I, you know what, quite honestly, for a band at that level, I don't really blame them for having a fuck. Like, you know how, a sh- what kind of a shit show it would be if every one of those 4,000 people got to get on stage whenever they'd like? Yes. It's dangerous. I mean, I'm not sounding like a fucking old attorney who I am, what I am, but like, I feel like at some point it's like, I hate to see when you're like, you see a band, it's like, Oh, like the the crowd is legitimately twenty feet from the first, but like these aren't that bad. They're like ten feet, five feet. Like it protects the band, it protects the kids that are like stage diving or crowd surfing. They're also yeah. just in a different space. This isn't this isn't a three hundred person show. This is ten times that. That's a lot of people. You know, I mean, four thousand people at fucking Knockdown Center. I think it is. Bob, have you ever been there? It's like where they did those like Vans uh, death match. So it was like. GB played obituary. It was like fucking huge. Right. Warthog played one of those. Yes. Right. Yes. 
I have not. I dropped Riley off at one of those, and that was that's the only time I've been over there. But it's a giant spot. Nuts, nuts, and it's you know, and for them to be able to sell that out is like as a second show, like not even. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I'm saying? Like they're like, well, yeah, you know, we'll switch it up so you don't, you know. But like, yeah, I mean, they drew. It's it's fucking impressive. But that's what you got to do. You got to get. That's that's the new move to make money. You get the tickets early and then put them on StubHub and triple your money. Uh, yeah, all of a sudden we're gonna have tur- turnstiles turning into like Supreme Bricks. Get your turnstile <laughs> tickets, and then, you know, this is resellers all over the shit. Um, yo, my nose is about to explode, guys. Anything else we want to hit before we we call it? Yeah, actually, real quick, I, I this is gonna sound clumsy from my mouth because I don't know the man's music. Uh, the kid from Black Dahlia Murder died. Is that right? Right. Yes. That's very correct. nice, dude. Uh, so I never met this guy and I don't know that music at all. I just saw a great many people that uh, from our world who were fans, uh, who uh, had positive interactions with this individual. And I saw a photo of him. And for whatever reason, I got very emotional. He didn't seem like he was going for cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just seemed like because he had like glasses on and yeah, it just had a like stomach a tattoo that's that heartburn. It's fucking amazing. And for whatever reason, I just uh, it, it caught me a little bit, um, particularly because I'm not repeating anything that I don't know or shouldn't know or whatever. But the the when the band posted on it, they included a, a, a kind of a, a suicide prevention uh, right the hotline yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and. So we can presume something from that. And, uh, uh, you know, we talk about this on this podcast. We're, we're not in a position to save anybody's life. And, uh, but, uh, certainly Tom has said a number of times, it's important to him that if any of our listeners are, uh, are really in a low place, then, uh, we'll at least direct you to some resources and remind you somebody gives a shit, but, uh, you know, for our listeners who are in the toilet right now, who are just down about whatever, uh, it, I, you know, me, I, I think every person answers to nobody but themselves. If you want to take your life, you do that. I wouldn't stand in your way, but I, I gotta say for people left behind, it is uh, a hard, hard trip. And, uh, it, it is, uh, I'm just, I'm just asking our listeners to, uh, consider all their options. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. And you think with this guy, the scary part is mm-hmm. everyone that knew him was like, Oh no, he was like super joyful. Like always the life of the party was always yeah. fun. Yeah. Trevor from, 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 um, Black Dahlia, like, Black Dahlia. loves hardcore, loves hardcore. Like oh. I was busting his balls through Christian because he was like talking about indecision. And he like, he made like a playlist or whatever. And he had an arty version. So I was like, yo, tell him we're beefing. Like joking, like totally joking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like he added me on Instagram. And we're like, I'm like, um, he's like, dude, it's not my fault. Like when I first saw them, it was hit. I'm like, dude, I'm totally busting balls. Like, I appreciate you even mentioning the fucking stupid band. Like, like super sweet. Like, but like I remember like busting his chops through stuff. But like everyone that knew him was like, no, he was like a sweetheart, like loved being in a band, loved music, loved hardcore, loved punk. Like, you know, it seemed like a happy dude. And then this shit comes out. It's so like no matter what you think everything's copacetic and it's not like, you know, it's easy to pick out the dudes or, or the, you know, your friends that are like something I miss with that guy. Like I'm really worried yeah, about so-and-so, sure. but like, yeah, 
It could be fucking anybody. So send your friend a fucking meme. Send a yeah. meme. Memes are what I can. I, I would love to do a study of how many times a meme has kept somebody on the side oh. of the grave. Yo, um, major condolences to yeah. that guy. His family, the, the Black Dahlia murder. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, a lot of mutuals. I had people who knew him and uh, who were going through it. Um, if you're going through it, find someone to talk to. Um, it's not always easy, but you know, life is a rocky road sometimes, you know, it really is. And uh, you know, you both said it well, Tom. I, I, I echo your point that it's not always the person you think it is. Um, you know, it can be someone who seems happy go lucky. It seems like it could be someone who just is going through. Um, and just to, not to cut you off in a professional way. So often you see people hurt, like hurt themselves or try to kill themselves on the way back up. Yep. When they're at their lowest point, they they don't have the faculties to do it. Yeah. But when they're like a little bit out of that, it was when they have the, the, the energy and the faculties to do it. So like, don't just, you know, like, look out for your friends and even if they're like a little better than they were stick around because they're going to need much more help than than just a little bit of a push and i promise everyone out there who's going through that dark moment yo i've been through some dark times and the good times are pretty goddamn good too though so uh don't take it for granted if you're in a good time appreciate that shit uh, extend it to others. Uh, be kind. Uh, be welcoming and and reach out. I, I think that's a big thing. Uh, R.I.P. to Trevor. Trevor. All right. Let's let's end on that, fellas. Uh, good to see you both. All right. Cool. What's up, y'all? This is Stefan up in Everett, Washington, calling with another pit report. So this last Monday, May 9th, twenty twenty two. I went to the Vera Project in Seattle to see the Chisel. Uh, so the Vera Project is a sweet all-ages venue in Seattle Center, right by the Space Needle. It's kind of a community center zine library space, um, but it's a, a big open room with a great PA, and lots of hard, good hardcore shows happen there. So uh, starting out the night, there was Nasty, and for those that want to look them up, that's N-A-S-T-I. Uh, so Nasty is arguably my favorite band from Seattle. I first saw them probably about five or six years ago when they opened up for Piss Jeans. Um, and they've been a band I've been following ever since and try to catch every time they play, which is not a whole lot. Um, so Jensen, the drummer from Iron Lung, plays bass, and they're an Iron Lung Records band, uh, but not really sounding like Iron Lung, no power violence or blast beats here, more of um, uh, hardcore in the vein of Gag and Bib and bands like that. So lots of reverb and some psychedelic guitar riffs going on and lots of uh, brooding kind of goth influence like rudimentary peni uh, so really great band check them out if you're into any of the iron lung Records stuff they got two lps definitely pick those up if you're interested 
So up next was Electric Chair, another Iron Lung Records band from Olympia, Washington. And they're more on the spiky punk, street punk side of things. Um, I guess you could think of if the casualties were to join Iron Lung Records, that's what this band sounds like. And so their set was was good. They played well. The the front man, the singer, has a uh, a nihilistic approach to his stage presence and heckled the crowd a lot, which is uh, not really my vibe, but kind of comes with the program in this style of music. So if you're that kind of thing, check out Electric Chair and uh, get some other stuff from Iron Long Records. And finally, to close out the night was, of course, the chisel. So I think y'all have big up the chisel on this podcast before, and they definitely deserve it. They're an oi band from London, and they they killed it. Um, so one thing I really appreciate about this band is not only their great players, um, but some of their... Uh, they have to have to have a message, right? And some of their uh, lyrics are kind of political, like the rise of the working class sort of thing, but it's not imposing. Uh, you know, he's not up there reading a manifesto. Um, he's It's just like, you know, here's this social problem. Here's what we think about it. And here's some sick riffs over it. So I really enjoy that. Um, it's very melodic, lots of sing-alongs, but also really heavy. You know, you can definitely mosh to it. Um, another thing I appreciated about this set was the crowd. So there were lots of genres of hardcore kids, if you will. Um, I saw up front for the chisel a couple of folks that were, I would say, in their 40s or 50s with shaved heads and suspenders and combat boots. So some old school skinheads. You don't see that a whole lot in Seattle. So that was fun to see. And they were uh, being respectful and, and, you know, no, no, not too rowdy. And so there's also some more traditional Northwest hardcore kid, if you will, uh, with a jacket and jeans doing stage dives, uh, you know, band t-shirt and jeans kind of people. And there was also some Olympia punks with their blue and green hair and lots of patches skanking and, and tearing it up. And, uh, you know, no drama. Everybody was copacetic, and that was awesome to see. I think this is a band that kind of unites people. So there you have it. That is my fit report for The Chisel. Uh, so glad I went. Um, I got their LP on the way out, and you should, too, definitely support this band uh, and catch them on this tour if you can. Okay? Well, until next time, guys. See you later. What's up, Axe Grind? This is Ben, <clears throat> and I've got a pit report for the Terra Pain and the Power Tool uh, kickoff in uh, Denver. It was tonight, May 9th, and it was in Denver at the Aduda HQ. The lineup uh, was Terra, um, I'm not listening to it. It's like death metal alphabet soup or the onomatopoeia of the fucking death metal font. Whatever the hell that band's name is. I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, Pain of Truth and a local opener called Mind's Eye from Colorado Springs. Um, Publicon was supposedly on the tour, but they didn't play tonight, so I just had a dub on that. Anyways, the local opener, Mind's Eye. Uh, they started, uh, 
so they're, uh, I've seen them now twice, um, they're pretty cool, uh, they're very contemporary sounding, they've got, um, you know, a, they're, I heard a lot of, like, early turnstile, um, a lot of those, like, kind of, like, flourishes, uh, I heard that, the kind of stuff I heard a lot in, like, Misery, um, and then also, um, got definitely, like, some hard mosh, like, you know, terror, um, and, uh, yeah, they had a decent reaction, um, I don't know how many people knew about them, but they were pretty good, um, after them was Pain of Truth, this is the second time I've seen them, um, I saw them two months ago when I called out my last hit report when they were on tour with Drain and Ingrown, and, uh, that band fucking rips, guys. I don't know what to fucking say beyond that. They are fucking awesome. I love Pain of Truth. I hope to see more music from them, because uh, they are fucking outstanding. Um, after they played, uh, next up was... I'm going to try it. Sanguisugabog, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, not really my cup of tea. I'm not really a death metal guy at this point in my life. Uh, I will say, though, that those dudes are extremely tight. Um, they're, they obviously know what the fuck they're doing. Um, their stage presence was, presence, excuse me, was great. Um, they had an excellent reaction. And... Um, also, props to them. I saw all the members of the band, especially the drummer, in the pit all night. Um, also, I got like windmill, <laughs> like uh, cartwheel kicked by the uh, drummer at least twice, um, including during the local opener. So, you know, shout out to that shit. Um, anyway, so they were done, and like I said, Kublikon didn't play for a reason I am not privy to. And then uh, finishing out the night was Terror. Um, you know, this is the start, uh, kickoff date for that tour, and, you know, I've seen Terror, like, ten times, I think, at this point in my life, uh, stretching back to 2007, and not just, like, going off the excitement of having just saw them tonight, I honestly want to say that this is probably the best time I've seen them, I've seen them play shows to a hundred kids, I've seen them play, um, shows to a thousand kids and tonight was the single best time I've ever seen Terror play um they played uh I think like four or five songs off the new record and you know all the classics that you know you expect to see when you see Terror that was an insane reaction um Stage dive nonstop, as you would expect with the terror show. Hard mosh, but not hard where, like, fights or anything are happening, because it's a terror show. People don't bring that kind of energy, generally. And um, they were on point. They are perfect. These are, you know, terror is this my generation's. I'm 32. They are the, my generation's sick of it all, you know? Uh, agnostic front. They are a full-time touring band that, they live off it, and they should. Um, I saw everyone from 16-year-olds to 32-year-olds to a dude who looked like he was um, older than my father. 
stage diving and having a great time. They fucking ripped, and I suggest you go see this tour. Anyways, my name's Ben, and I appreciate y'all. Fuck yeah, hardcore rules. Bye.